so I want to continue on the subject of um, um, in order to fulfill the dream or what God has for you, what is required is what um, is in your hands at this present moment. That is, God is going to, uh, the miracle lies inside your house, uh, what he is going to use to empower your life and to transform your entire life and to fulfill his will in and through you is within your house, is within your reach, is right there with you. It only requires what is called understanding God's system and then recognition. But first of all, this morning before I get into this, I, I want to first debunk certain things, right? Just to open up our minds. And if you're angry at the things I say, all right, as you leave the service, just say, Lord, I forgive the pastor for those things he said, all right? So if you find it religiously speaking, right, you are wired that way, right, just, all right, but certain strongholds in the minds of people made to be addressed. And first of all, uh, the errors, I want to speak about errors in our mindset, which means uh, uh, self-defeating, all right, belief systems that are ingrained in, in Christians. Uh, and these errors in our mindset, uh, largely, all right, they occur, and what opens the door to them is when we are going through any form of crisis. Now, the definition of crisis here will be when there is a gap between what God has promised and the condition or what the individual is experiencing in their daily life, which is called the condition of their lives. And when people begin to struggle with that and, and they're experiencing setbacks, and, and things are not working out the way they believed it should work out, uh, people began to open up themselves to things that may not be or are not scriptural at all. These things are just superstitious. Uh, these are things that Paul referred to as fables. All right, people start believing these things, and it has affected the church, and it has weakened all right, the church, which means a belief system that destroys and even further weakens them. Uh, so somebody has been trying to get a job, let's say, for years. And then it came now because he doesn't understand why he hasn't been able to get a job. Then suggestions start coming. Uh, people start suggesting that maybe it's based on some generational curse. And maybe it's based on certain things. Uh, and people begin to open up their minds, and then fables start coming out. And uh, when we say fables, uh, that storytelling that is not based on the revelation of the written word of God. It, it is not scriptural, all right, in any way. For example, a person can be struggling in business, and then this, he listens to somebody who says that, you know, in business, we are struggling, things were not working, and all of that, and suddenly, uh, in, his, in his story now, he says, I recognize that our house help 
was the one who was, re who was responsible for the failure in our business uh, because the house help, you know, we discovered was a witch. And so we got rid, all right, of the house help. Now, what happens is with no scriptural thing, uh, there's no basic, I mean, I mean, the people could use word of knife and say it. There is no scriptural basis for, for, for the story that just came out. It's not substantiated in the word of God. It's not researched to find out whether this house help, the house she was coming from, they were prospering. And then the house she went to after you sacked her, they were prospering. Are you following what I'm saying here? But you have drawn that conclusion. Now, what that does is that it removes management skills for reason for your failure. It removes hard work for reason for your failure, which means the people might be lazy. You have taken that thing and based it on the presence of the house help, which means that just remove the house help and magically, even with the same knowledge, same skill set, even without capacity or your competence increasing, your changes are just going to occur. People come to believe that. And once that fable is, all right, embraced, then what happens is it starts getting extended. All right, into other things, which means people begin to externalize, uh, externalize what um, the, the reason for their results. Uh, some people get up and will say things like, uh, you know, it's because, you know, of a generational cause. And then uh, they talk about what their great, great grandfather did that you don't know. Uh, inside a village you have never been. How are you going to change that? I mean, the way we preach, it appears that it's only Africans that have generational cause. Because is it only us that have fathers, great-grandfather were into idolatry? Why aren't other people groups into idolatry? Didn't they do things? I mean, or somebody gets up, I mean, and people believe that. For example, I mean, growing up as a Christian, I went for a national conference where somebody got up on a massive pulpit and preached and said the reason for Nigeria's economic failures was the building next door. And that it was when Festac 77 came that idols came from all over the world, but we forget that there was Festac 77 was second festival. The first was held somewhere. The third was, I think, was held in Atlanta. It didn't, they didn't trouble Atlanta. It is us, are you following what I'm saying Yeah, that they are troubling. And we have this mindset, all right, that has nothing to do, all right, with, with certain changes that should be made as a people. We just attribute it to things on the outside. And all this begins to occur when, and that gap, and that's why I want to say something here, it begins to occur when you have things in the condition that don't match up with what is in the scripture, and then people now start opening up themselves to superstitious thoughts there, and then people can take advantage of them and, and inject certain things. I mean, and, and begin to say things. And people start embracing that. And once you start embracing that kind of thing, and it's ingrained on the inside of you, it has taken deep roots on the inside, it becomes, you know, very difficult to change, all right? Because no matter what is preached, uh, what, have, what people learn they still believe that these factors, right, that they have absolutely no control over are the things that will determine the outcomes, all right, of things in the lives, all right, of people. So we externalize things, take them out of our own control, 
where we are not responsible again for the outcomes, but these are things that we have uh, no control over. For example, I heard somebody say this as, let me just say, an economic policy, that if Nigeria just befriends Israel, everything will change. I mean, I mean, we say it, and you know, people believe that. So, for example, if government officials fly to Israel, they'll say we are making progress. Now, this is where you might be angry, but I will say it, right? The nation that has killed the most Jews on this earth is one of the largest economies in the world, Germany. Do you understand what I'm saying? They kill Jews. They are doing well. Japan killed millions of Chinese. If it is us, we'll send the blood of those people that died. Are you following what I'm saying here? Americans killed Indians, took over their land. If it's us, we will say that the bad decisions are coming from the ground. And we'll attribute it to all those things. What I'm trying to say is that we're giving too much power to frivolities. We, we are saying things, and what's going on, therefore, is that people now, so what happens is the person sits down and might get indoctrinated to the point where he's powerless, to the point where he doesn't think that, you know, he or she can change, you know, anything. Uh, some, maybe it's just because they are lazy. Uh, some people just don't understand, all right, what it takes to get, all right, those results. It, they, some of these things we're talking about are not as difficult and not as far-fetched to transform a nation, to build things. It's not as, as deep as we are making it sound, right? And so we've given power to those things on the outside. And what happens is, no matter what people listen to, and uh, no matter what happens, uh, and so what will eventually, I mean, for example, I mean, there was a time in this country, in this part of the world that, you know, if, if I mean, because people didn't know about AAAS, all right, once people were dying, they would say is witches in the environment, and innocent people were killed for the death of people because they said they were witches, and it was genotype blood group. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we begin. So what happens? And we have to correct this. Or else people will be so trapped that they will have to get out of our Christianity the way we've defined it to be able to do anything meaningful with their lives. You see the danger that lies there. The danger is that if you have that kind of doctrine that is not accurate, that is not founded on revelation, that is not built on scripture. I mean, look at Paul. With all what Paul taught, the church at Corinth. They, they were promiscuous. Do you hear him say it's generational cause that caused their problem? He said the flesh, the works of the flesh. That's what he was talking about. These people were having, this is a place where they were having sexual orgies and all that. I mean, if you go there, you will have felt that forever you people have, you know, you have to have double cleansing 25, you know. But he didn't say all of that. Now, we have to make up our minds. It is either the blood of Jesus dealt with it or the blood of Jesus did not deal with it. If you preach to people and you say he took away your sins and iniquities, he washed you clean, is either you accept that or you don't accept that. You cannot say Jesus took it away, but you can't say that. Uh, this is what we're saying here. You can't say that Christ came and died. He was wounded for a transgression, bruised for iniquity. The chastisement of a peace was upon him. He took all of that, but 
Because when you want to preach to people who are sinners, you tell them about the absolute sacrifice of Jesus. That if they come into God and they get born again, they are receiving an absolute sacrifice. Then they get born again and come in, then you say, but we didn't tell you. This part was not covered. Can you imagine you buying a car and they tell you, promise you what the car, the salesman, and says, drive this car, you go at this part, and then you now buy the car. And as you drive, start driving. You pay. He says, but we didn't tell you that that condition only happens only in heaven. As far as you're on this earth, that car cannot move the way you understand that you've been for one night. Do you get what I'm saying here? So it's either we're going to believe the gospel. And many of these things came from all these visitations to all these prophets that look like Christians, that wasn't Christians, that we now injected and embraced. You cannot find it in the Bible. You cannot find that belief system, all right, established, right, inside, all right, the scriptures there. And so people now get superstitious. People now begin to believe things, all right. They, you now start to work. They, they call it, you are looking for demons in the bushes. In other words, you get to your house. Maybe if somebody forgot, they came to charge their phone on, maybe near your house and forgot the charger on the fence, then you suddenly see a charger on the fence. Uh, you understand what I'm saying here? And then there's suddenly what's going on here, all right? Or, or something happened, and you know, um, somebody left something, or no, something. And then everything, you are looking for the demon. You are trying to explain why you are going through what you are going through without taking responsibility for it. Without saying that maybe it has to do with my ignorance, my lack of wisdom, my people's skill, all of that. You remove all of that and then externalize on something, right? And then you create and it's pure superstition. If we tell you, show us in the Bible where you saw these things, people are black. Then they tell you about a story. What is the story? Well, I was praying for somebody one day and the person started crying out and the demon said this. Tables. <laughs> all right? So I said that to start the message here. Okay? That we get to that point where what we call an failure really, let me tell you what causes during that period of it. Failure really during that time is largely due to the lack of application of the knowledge that God gives us. Listening to his instruction and obeying his instruction full stop. It's at that point you should become a doer of the word and not as a hearer. It's at that point you should start applying, right, yourself and doing the word of God. And when the Bible says forgive, you forgive. When it says pray for them that despitefully use, you pray for them that despitefully use you. When you do this, you do those things that you're supposed to do. Okay? Now you obey. And people don't understand the power that is found in obeying God and obeying Jesus and obeying his instructions. Finding things in the word of God that he suggests to you as what you should do in that situation and going ahead to obey God in that particular thing. We don't pay attention to that, but then we pay attention to these external things that you really have very little or no control over. So it will be the most costly thing to live your life with an erroneous, self-defeating belief system. In other words, you have a belief system that is not founded on truth, but it defeats you. That is already where you think forces that you have no control over 
have already determined the outcome before the game even begins. Once people subconsciously think in that particular way. Now, what do I mean by this? If somebody was going for a job and he finds out that the board of that organization have already sat and met and they have decided on the person that they wanted to give the job to before they put out an invitation for people to even come in and, all right, apply for the job, that you discover that somebody shows you the meeting or the video, you already are defeated before you even enter the place. Now, when people start believing that there are things, all right, that may have happened 100 years ago, that you don't even know who did it, where they did it, how they did it, right? And those things you believe that they're already stacked against you, then people go into life with that, what is called that self-defeating, all right, belief system. And, and I remember when we started this ministry, I was struggling and all of that. You now start, you know, remembering things. I mean, I mean, you, you know, sometimes people come, they would say things that maybe, maybe they offended you in the past, and then they would say maybe something is going wrong, and then they would say, tell, 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 look, there's, there's nothing. All right? Don't start having that at the back of your head. Jesus died for you. Do you get what we're saying here? Don't start carrying things there. You know, you now sit down and start thinking, oh, why? Oh, so what happened? Uh, did I do anything? And, so, and then you, you can get exposed to those kind of things. And what happens is those kind of things now begin, right, to create a belief system that can really do real harm and damage. So once you think the force already uh, uh, stacked against you and that you, 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 you cannot, all right, control them, uh, and the game has already been decided, then people move in already defeated. They are easy to manipulate, very easy to control, because you have left the realm of light, and now you are now in the place of superstition, and, and so anybody can come in and, and just begin to say things. Now, truly there is warfare. The Bible talks about that. But we must know where the warfare is, and what, all right, the enemy really is doing so that we are not just beating against the air. And what the scripture talks about as the major place where the warfare is, is in your thought life. It's in the control of your thought life. Is that every single thought is brought into obedience to Jesus. If you have a thought, which are thoughts like this, that, all right, that, that you can't bring them into subjection to the lordship of Jesus, then that person is going to be defeated in life. Uh, if people just wander within their thoughts and, and they are not focused and, and don't have that mental discipline, then they are going to get defeated. The victory is going to occur in the mind. The battle is going to be lost in the mind. Uh, it deals with having control over your appetite. All right, your emotions. These are places where the real warfare is going on and not just external things that, that people are attributing things to that, you know, uh, they really don't have any control over. So in Mark chapter 4 here and verse 24, and I keep talking about things like this, wicked, wake out to destroy that mindset. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Now, listen to what Jesus said here. Because we are talking about using things that you have. He said unto them, take heed what you hear. 
All right? Take heed. Be careful of what you listen to. Take heed. No matter who is saying it. In the kingdom of God, it's not personality, it's principles. It doesn't matter who is saying it. This is how some of the superstition has slipped into the body. When people talk about personalities and not principles, it is what is written in the Bible. Truth is the authority. The authority does not determine truth. Are you following what I'm saying here? Truth is the authority. It's not the authority that determines truth. Right? So, the authority in the kingdom of God is truth. It's the word of God. And he said, take heed to what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you. And he says, unto you that hear, shall more be given. So, he said, take heed. Then he said something next. He said, for he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And then he now said so, he, he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, before we get into this, the first thing he said was, take heed. He said, to him that has, which means that person has been listening to things or people that tell him you have. Somebody else has been listening and even though he has, he has the consciousness, I have not. In other words, he says, if you have the consciousness that I have not, even that which you have shall be taken away from you. In other words, some people are carrying the consciousness right now that I belong to people that have not. I am among the people that don't have in life. I, am, I belong, you know, to the masses that, you know, we are people that don't have. Uh, so there are some people that are at an advantageous position while we are at a disadvantageous position. In other words, we don't have. They have that mindset which is inferiority complex. It says, take heed to the person that has. It says, what is going to be given to that person? To the person who says, I have not, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And then in verse 26, he went on and said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man will cast seed into the ground. Now, what's this seed he's talking about? Look at verse 31. You see what it says here in verse 31. It says, or from verse 30. It says, the kingdom of God, like in the kingdom of God, what we will compare it. He said, the kingdom of God is like a grain. Next verse. Now. The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that are in the earth. Now, with that in mind, go to verse 26. It goes in verse 26 and says, so it's less than all the seeds. It says in verse 25, to him that has, more shall be given. And to him that has not, even that which he has shall be taken away from him. Then it says, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast it. Which means the man who knew what he had and was conscious of it, even though it was smaller than all the grains that were in the earth, he knew he had it and put it into the earth to walk. That man will sleep and he will rise night and day and it will spring forth and grow, he knoweth not how. So, everybody, that's what the scripture is saying, yeah? They have something. I want to say this here. There is something that God, all right, has that he wants to, you have, that God wants to walk with and God wants to walk through. And so when you have the consciousness that I don't have and you are going around with that mindset, 
you know, I belong to the group of people, all right, that do not have. I, I am one of the weak people who is just a spectator, all right, in what's going on in life, watching things happen on the sideline, saying that I do not have, right, then even that which you have will eventually get taken away from you. Now, listen to what the prophet told this woman in 2 Kings chapter 4 from verses 1 to 3. 2 Kings 4 from verses 1 to 3. All right, listen to what Elisha said. Now, there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet, right, to Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that thy servant fears the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him his two sons that's come to take. Now, verse 2. And Elisha, listen to what he said, said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in thy house. In other words, we get so caught up in what we don't have that we don't see the possibilities in what we have. Can you imagine somebody coming to meet you and saying that, you know, I'm in debt, I'm all of that, and all of that. Just like someone saying, you know, I've not worked for years, and all of that. And he says, look, help me. And you look at the person knowing the way God works. And Elisha said to her, he redirected her. He said, you, have, you can clearly explain to me what you don't have. But I'm refocusing you on what you have. Define what you have. He was changing her mindset. He was moving her from the place where she was thinking about herself as somebody that lacks and is in trouble to somebody that is in empowered and is in possession of something. What do you have? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. gets up and says, this is what the person said now, you know, I need a job and I want a job in this company but they are not taking me. They are not taking you for one reason. For one reason. It has nothing to do with prayer. You don't have what they are looking for. Full stop. That will increase their value there. Finish. You're, now you can be imagining yourself as a big man but that is you. And let me tell you this, deep desires for something without real reality checks can make you start fantasizing. And you, you must get to it because you just start seeing yourself and you start believing things that are not true about yourself.
But there are people that are looking for what you have. Do you get what I'm saying? You are trying to reach people that don't need what you have. Now, all right? But there are people that are desperate for what you actually have. Now, if you decide, and so Jesus says, what do you have? All right? Now, and you take that particular thing, and it's all right. I can speak English well. I learned this in school, which is what I'm trying to use to get this job. Now, I'll go and go and help people in this, my government is so in this particular school. Now, so you walk into the school. You say, well, I offer my services free of charge to teach mathematics, right? And then you start teaching mathematics. Now, here is how, because the minute you start doing that, God comes into your patient immediately. The God you've been trying to, you've been believing, you've been, all right, you've been trying, immediately God just shows up. So in that school, they start giving you responsibilities. By doing that, they are developing your managerial skills. Do you get what's happening now? All right? Your man, and I'll, I'll tell you how God opens these doors. You are developing those things. The minute you start developing, now after some time, you get to a point where you are now, the, the space on the earth now, now opens up where you can now begin. Some of the things you are reaching for now, can start coming to you. Maybe you meet somebody who is a parent there and say, oh, we are looking for, you're very competent. You are beyond what you are doing here. All right? I mean, how can, how can you be doing this kind of thing? Look, I went with a friend. This friend is a big player in oil industry in this country. We went out to eat and somebody was serving in a restaurant. Now, we did not ourselves forget. Serving in a restaurant. When this guy came to serve us, he, he was he spoke well. He had a great attitude. He was everything. So I told this person, this person has a fantastic This person is educated. They are beyond this serving a restaurant. The chap just brought out his card. Wrote. He said, if you ever want to get out of this thing that you want to do, this is who I am. Call me on this number. And I'll give you a job there. It was just a conversation we had that brought business cards. Life has changed. But if, uh, you understand what I'm saying? So, the issue is God asks you first. What he says, then, now I'm going to show something here. How do you make it work? Now, put up Mark chapter 6 and verse 37. Mark 6. I mean, inside that church, went with the iPad as tech boys. Abby? Nobody was carrying iPads. I hid it in my bag. They have left those that left. No, I, I checked. Pastor, no iPad. No iPad. Tech. Tech. Well, we have taken some of their ideas. So, no, listen. Last night I resolved it. Like, like God's attitude. Wherever you want to stay, you stay. If you want to do tech, you tech. Semi-tech, you semi-tech. Little tech, little, no, no tech. Everyone will be available. Okay, all right. 
Mark 6, 37. Now, so he replied them. Now, okay, let's start from verse 36. Verse 36. I want to know. Okay, 35. Now, when the day was already far gone, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate, isolated place. The hour is late. That's what the disciples said. Have it? They came. This is a desolate, isolated place. The hour is now late. I want to show you something. Verse 36. All right? Then I told Jesus, send the crowds away. Now, they are now telling Jesus how to run the, the show. So go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. Verse 37. He replied to them and said, give them something to eat yourselves. Now, somebody called me, a church member. He had asked me for things in the past and I helped him. <laughs> but I don't like it if you start repeating annual because then I'm becoming your crutch and enabling a wrong lifestyle. So this person now calls me and tells me that there's somebody in their area that he feels is in serious trouble, has problems and some financial needs. So he said, just you should tell me. So I said, why are you calling me? You. Go and help the person. Help is not calling the pastor. So me, the one I see, I help. The one you see, don't transfer to me. You help. <laughs> right? I can see enough. So anyone you are seeing is your own what? Assignment. So help them. He sent me a message laughing. Like, Pastor, what are you saying that you help them? Don't you see the calculation I've given to you? I said, no. You solve the problem. Now, Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant. He told the disciples, you give them to eat. He knew they had nothing. He knew, do you understand this? But Jesus understood a principle I want to show. Practical principle. He said, you people feed them. Are you following what I'm saying? So what's the next thing they said? Of course. And they said, shall we go and buy? Go back to 30. We are still reading 37. And they said, unto him, shall we go and buy 200 and about $40 worth of bread and give them to eat? All right, one on that transition says, should we we'll work for two years before we get it? All right? And give them after the work to eat? Now, Jesus then went on in verse 38. All right? He said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had looked this and knew, they said, five loaves and two fish. Next verse. All right? Then he commanded. Now, somewhere else, they said, five loaves, two fish. They said, but what is this among so many? So when the man said, let's say the person needed 200,000, I said to him, go and give. He says, all I have is 2,000. What is 2,000 among what? 200,000. Now, there's a system that God works with. All right? So the, Jesus said, give me the five loaves. Now, let me tell you, the people you are calling to help started here. Do you get what I'm saying? The people you are calling to help. I can show you my Bible, 1989. Sacrificial offering that broke my back was 50 naira. 50 naira. This was months before 
we started doing, well, I started inviting, this was before I became president of fellowship, that we're giving 7,000, but it starts somewhere. So, if you say I don't have, and you transfer responsibility, you, you lose everything. Do you understand what was Look, if you're working in a place, the place is not very convenient for work. Now, let me tell you this. Very convenient, which means, you know, they don't deliver paper as you want them to deliver the paper. They don't do things as you want to do things. Don't get angry. Take ownership. You hear what I'm saying? Take ownership. And deliver results. Because the day you will decide to start your own, you are going to start without. You may not have money to buy generator that the AC will be working. Your generator might be coughing at intervals. You must be able to concentrate. So where you are coming from, so God takes you into those places. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is a God of purpose, not a God of pleasure. It's, it's purpose he's talking about, not pleasure. People are seeking for pleasure. He says, anybody that is looking for pleasure, he says, and, and he says that person ends in poverty. So, let me close here. So, he commanded the street down, all right, now next verse, all right, then verse 41. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, and this is what he did, praising God, gave thanks and broke the loaves and kept on giving them to the disciples. Now, you know what that means? They came and he kept on giving. So this is what you do. Alright? Talking about doing massive things in 2020. First of all, start praying to God and ask him to, to, to open your eyes and show you empty spaces where you can use your five loaves to heal. Hear what I'm saying to you. Even if the cost of that thing is 50 million and all you have is 5,000, this is what you do. Once you have recognized it as a genuine, which means you are comfortable in your spirit that this is work that is to be done, no matter the resources you have, let me tell you this, in this campus fellowship I'm saying, I'm to tell you how God works. With the highest offering that was taken, that was given by people, highest offering that was given by people, before I became president was 168 at a convention. Convention. Do you understand? Convention. If you ask me how it happened, can't tell you. God showed up. But I can tell you that when your heart finds purpose, when your heart discovers an assignment, when God, you are not, you see, our problem is this. We have called Jesus our Savior so that he can become our Lord. That's fraud. You don't confess him as Savior so he can become your Lord. That when you save me, no. You confess him as Lord, then he saves you. In other words, instead of saying this is what I want to do, God, come and bless it. Ask God today, 
2020, open up the door you have planned to open up. Whatever that door is, I'm, I'm not saying tell me where to go, open the door. All I have to do is walk through it. Do you get what I'm saying here? In other words, in prayer, something happens. You know, when a door is open, it's different. You know, Paul said a door was open. A door open doesn't mean that you just say yourself, a voice comes, and so on. Arise, arise. That's, you can be you talking to yourself. There's no guarantee on that. But when a door opens and you tell the story to somebody, they will know this is a door. Are you following what I'm saying? When it opens, they will tell you. So, when a door opens up, you know that this is God. Okay? Now, but let me tell you something. The Bible says you will go in and out and you will find what? Pasture. But let me tell you something. The door God opens, that door doesn't look good. It's when the door opens that you enter. That you know that there's pasture in the ground. But the appearance of the door, <laughs> you know, when I said a ravenous, uh, the raven came to feed, I went to check the history. Ravens are some of the dirtiest birds. If they say they should bring food by raven to you in the culture, you will say, take the food I don't want. Raven. It's raven that will bring food to me. This dirty bird. It means that what God will use to bring the answer. Our problem has been we have decided this is where we're going. Ask him, God, open the door. That this year, 2020, you want to do big things? God, open the door. Open. All right? I'm telling you, once that happens, God shows up. You will be amazed. Uh, what's happening most of the time is that people are, people are, you know, look, if God calls you, he opens the door. If he calls you to ministry, you, you don't sit down with you and say, God told me, God to God, then you just go and say, no, God opens the door. When he called, Jesus came to meet Peter where he was. He comes to meet you where you are. He's, he's God. He enters your circumstance and opens it. Alright? So, once you go in and you see it's bigger than yourself, this is what you do. If it is a 200,000 naira project and all you have ever handled in your life is 2,000 naira that you have, take that 2,000 naira. That's what Jesus was saying. Give me the five loaves. He took the five loaves and gave it. Once you give the five, it starts flowing. That's what Elisha told her. Take the jar of oil, look for empty vessels, start pouring. Once you are pouring into empty vessels, it will not stop. You know what Dr. Bill Winston said? He met the first day he ever saw Archbishop Idaosan. Archbishop Idaosan said they wanted to give, they wanted to do something about Robots University. He said they wanted to give to Wentity. He said, after people are giving, he said, okay, you can go and sit down. He said, now I want you people to know I'm an apostle. He said, how many of you here don't have money, but it's inside your heart to give? He said, get up. Bill Winston said, he sat down. That the woman beside him said, I feel you want to give. He said, but I don't have money. He said, but didn't you listen to what he said? Get up. He said, how much? He said, I want to give a $1,000. He said he was a student. He had never seen $1,000 in his life. But he said, just commit yourself here and you'll give it. He said it was a matter of a few weeks. He doesn't know how, how till today. If you ask me to explain all those things I said to you, if you ask me to explain how, even how we got Archbishop Idahosa to come and preach. How Bishop Idepo came to preach. All these people showed up. If you ask me how, 
I cannot tell you how it goes on. But I can tell you a principle that when your heart is inside serving God and it shows you that day and you step into it, whatever it suggests to you, So, you, what was that gentleman supposed to do when he called me? He was supposed to go and meet the lady, right? And said, I'm doing this in faith and I'll be back. In six months, you'll be out of this situation. But let me start by giving you 2,000. It won't be long. You'll have 10,000 to give out. It won't be long. You'll have 20,000 to give out. It won't be long. You'll have 100,000 to give out. Then you'll calculate in two months. If they asked him, did you, could you ever have 200,000 in two months? Never. But then when he calculates, he sees not only has he suffered, he has given out. Then he understands God has entered his space. But if you sit down and it's, God, give me, give me, give me what I want, what I want, and you don't get it the way you think you should get it, then you start reacting. Let me close by saying what something the pastor in the church in, 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 in Singapore said, which was very, was, said something very powerful. He said, true wealth is measured by what money cannot buy and death cannot take away. True wealth. Go and think about it. What money cannot buy and what death cannot take away. What will you live on this earth that after you die will continue? That's true wealth. And it's not money that bought it. That, he said, is true wealth on this earth. What I advise is this. Take time, all right, particularly if your life has stagnated. Let me be frank with you. If you've stagnated for some years, it's because there was something else God wanted you to do. You weren't open to it. He had an assignment for you. He had something he wants you to get yourself into. And it's not what you want for yourself that he's committing, he's saying there's something. So what you do is two things. Go back to when there was your, when you had the manifest and you could feel the presence of God in your life and there was the surge. Go back there in your mind and start thanking and praising him for that moment. Then start praying and asking. Open up the door. Just open up the door for what you want me to do. And change your orientation and start praying that. Open up the door. Open up the door. Show me what I have and open the door. Show me what I have and open the door. Show me what I have. Let it declare and open up the door. And once that door, all right, gets. Because let, let me also say this to you. If it's blessed you seriously, right, you've been blessed in any measure, and things shake, the problem is the miracle is not, is not the end. The, there is always a purpose in anything God does. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? There's a purpose in what he does. And, and that's why I, mean, I said this in, in, in this. I mean, I, I mean, the church I went to Singapore, the, the, the man, and the man was correct. He said something. He said, he said he went to meet God for his vision. 
He said, grow the church younger. He said, that is the greatest miracle that can happen in this church. He said, I'm not asking you to grow wider. I'm asking you to grow younger. And I, I, until he explained it, he said, so we want to drop the average age of the church. That's what he was telling us, to 21. Now, you know to drop in the next five years, to drop the age of a church to 21 in five years, when everybody will be increasing in age. Abi? So those who are 25 will be 30. So the average age of a church grows. Now you want to drop it. And God said, I'm saying go deeper into generations. All right? So, fact about the matter is this. So in terms of orientation, because I, mean, I was thinking about that, and I, I said it, I don't know why I said it, I, was, I think I said it in lecture. But look, and I'm going to have a workers in tonight. What we want to do is to create people that are involved in serving God. I'm not doing consumer gospel again. By everything, the prayer point, me, me, that is the problem. Do you get what I'm saying? That is the problem. If you open up your life to service, many of the problems you are talking about will disappear. Because this me, 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 all right, is creating problems. All right. So to that end, I say this. It's, it is the finger of God that did not make me make this next project the last one. I have decided this is the last project we are doing. It's God that told me, Oga, relax. It has its own purpose. But it will be done every two years. So after this one, drink well this one because the next one is almost semi-Olympic. So it's 2022. So as you are dancing, know that next one, 2022. Because what we want to drive. And I told my staff, I said, look, ask people. They might have been screaming at the beginning of the year. Tell me what you learned. They might have forgotten. They have forgotten. But we like entertainment. All right? But the issue is to bring people all right, into a place where as you start participating, you start, you start uh, doing things then you begin to grow in yourself and start developing. You find purpose in God. Because after they caught fish, it wasn't about catching fish. It was about catching men. So in every blessing, there is purpose. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? And if you take it and start eating the fish, when the next assignment was to catch men, you now sit down selling fish. And don't forget, it is Jesus that brought the fish, not the devil. But the same Jesus that brought the fish wants you to give up the fish. Immediately after he has brought the fish, immediately. So you should ask him, and what kind of God are you? Why did you just tell me from the beginning, let's go and catch me. But God is not like us. Fuck.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. And by the power of the Spirit, I ask that you establish us for this truth, expand us with your consciousness. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
in your life. And so what happens is if a person has been going through, struggling with something or experiencing a disappointment, let's assume they have been looking for a job or something or business is not working well, and they have been dealing with that and, and struggling with that, trying to believe God, and things are not seemingly don't seem to be, that gap doesn't seem to be closing, then what happens is they become vulnerable to ideas and suggestions that may not be completely scriptural, but sound, all right, spiritual. And so they open, people open themselves up to a wrong belief system that may just further weaken them or even in some cases, destroy uh, such people. And so people begin to believe in what is superstitious and not founded on scriptures. Uh, people are open to superstitions. Uh, uh, people are opened up to get, they get indoctrinated in things that may not be substantive when we look at uh, the word of God. And then what Paul called, called fables <coughs> began to enter in and, and not the revelation of the written word of God. And fables are stories that people might tell that can create a belief system that is simply not scriptural. So this is a belief system that is not scriptural. For example, a person can be struggling in business or a person is struggling to get a job. They're doing that for three years. And then uh, these ideas start floating that maybe it's a generational curse. Uh, maybe there is something deeper than just the ordinary there that is affecting them. And because they've been going through that, they're open to such suggestions from the outside. And so a fable begins to fly around. For example, someone says, well, when I was struggling in business, you know, one day we're just praying and, you know, and the story comes out and we realize that it was the house help we just hired. That really is a witch and she's the one that came into our house and is responsible for the chaos that is going on in our business and they say things and... And, you know, they say, well, so we remove that through her out. And uh, we, because we are not really research-oriented, so there's really no follow-up onto your story. Because then you want to ask, if you people are research-oriented, that, okay, where she was coming from before she came to you, were they successful in business they might have been? When she left you and where she went to, did a similar thing happen there? Nobody checks that. So everybody now, what happens is we externalize, right, what is responsible for failure. Nobody takes respons personal responsibility for it. Uh, that person has simply said, it's not my competence when it comes to managerial skills. It's not whether or not we developed a product that was right for the market. It has nothing to do with how much work we put into it. It has nothing to do with how informed we are. 
we have externalized the failure, entire failure in that business to a house help. And so what happens is a belief system now starts where Christian starts the business and instead of developing competence, he's looking for the wrong house help. All right? That is, if we fire this one, then things can just miraculously begin to happen. I remember growing up as a Christian, I heard in powerful conferences that the reason for the failure of Nigeria economically was the building that is by us. That, you know, Nigeria, once we did first act, and all the gods came from different parts of the world and entered into Nigeria, trouble started in Nigeria. But we forget that it was the second festival. There was the first. There was another one after in Atlanta. It didn't disturb them in Atlanta. They are still doing well there. We externalize our economic problem to an event, and everybody believes that. That had it been, we did not do first act. Nigeria would have been such a glorious nation. And when people begin to believe in that particular way, then it starts getting dangerous because it has nothing to do with the very principles that bring about national progress. It has nothing to do with the adjustment in certain areas within your life. The issue has been completely externalized. Now, I saw people that are religious in their thinking with this. So people believe, all right, as an economic policy, that if Nigeria just gets close to Israel, things will just change in this country. That because there's a blessing on nations that are just close to Israel there. And we don't do anything. Now, now, now whether we like we're talking now about national growth and national prosperity, that's what we're talking about. And if somebody presents us with the fact that the nation that killed the most Jews, at least, is Germany, and they are the third largest economy in the world. So what happened? Why didn't they run into trouble? Japan, all right, dealt with many Chinese people, killed them, atrocities. Why did nothing happen economically to Japan? America was founded on driving away Indians from their, firing them off their land. If it was here and anything went wrong, we would say it's the blood of those people. I mean, the, the belief system is almost like it is only Africans' great-grandfathers that sinned. That no other place in this world was their idolatry. That the generational cause is just tied up to Africa. All right, you want to wonder whether everybody has been saints from the beginning. And then in the dark ages when people were going, so what was going on in all those other places? All right, but it's just this belief system that people have embraced that did not come out of the scriptures. You cannot find those things. I'm telling you, forget about fables. You can't read the Bible and find it in the New Testament. Even the church at Corinth where the Corinthians were given to sexual orgies, this was a place where there was no restriction on iniquity. Right? Paul didn't go there and, you know, begin to say that their problem. He simply said, these are the works of the flesh. He's talked about it, that crucify your flesh. He talked about things that if you will through the spirit, don't make, he did not go and start talking about, all right, fables and all of that. He gave them the power to change their outcomes 
by the Holy Spirit that was on the inside of them. And it says that the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, they were empowered, all right, when they were confronted with things that the change is on the inside of you if you are simply going to apply yourself, right, uh, all right, to the word of God there. And the reason why people struggle for long is lack of application, which means that they are not obeying the instructions of Jesus. They may be praying about it repeatedly, but they are not hearing what God has to say concerning it and simply obeying and doing those things that Jesus wants them to do in that particular, all right, situation there. So we build up these things on the inside that, that are very costly, all right, belief systems that people hold on to and embrace that can be very costly. And most of these things came out of a, a, a pseudo-Christian thing where people, you know, will go outside and seek for spiritual encounters outside, which wasn't part of really uh, the tradition of scripture. It wasn't come out of there. It came from the way we were doing. And then we adopted those things into it there. And people started using it as ways in which you can manipulate the minds of people. So people start getting weaker and weaker by externalizing every problem. All right, which means that everything is as a result of something that happened on the outside that you may not even have any control over, that there is nothing you can do about those situations, then how then uh, do you deal with those things? So a person now goes into, I mean, you can, you can take this person to the best business school in the world, but he believes that, all right, and he can sit and walk in the best corporations in the world, and then he comes back to his own country and believes that what is affecting his business has nothing to do, and he believes that. And he goes, I mean, we must remember that there was a time when people just didn't understand the science of genotype that they thought that sickness was a product of witches in the family. And that the reason why the children were dying was because, you know, their people and witches were caught for killing those children, and those witches were killed for innocent people because of the belief system of people. That is, they simply believe that, how can this person, people have children, and they will have six children, and five of them die like that, and they are sickly and all of that. There must be a witch around that is doing that, and then they are suspicious of somebody, and then they begin to deal with that. Now, when that begins to happen, and this is where people began to, there was a mass exodus from the church there, because when you start creating these fables, and we have to address this in this country, and you start creating these fables, and people now start living off superstitious things that is not grounded in the truth of God's word, then what happens is people now start struggling, and after some time, they start feeling that it is these ideas that are being communicated in the church that is actually holding back their progress, which means that it's these things that have created belief systems on the inside of them that they go into places where people don't believe like this, and, and they, 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 they give themselves, all right, a, a chance in life. They push themselves, and, and they get results. But that once people start believing this way, and, and, and start getting dependent on the fact that, you know, you can't do something, I mean, it can really get bad, all right? Which means a person can feel that, you know, it can get bad, you can take it to any extent. You, you can't even have a successful business without authorization from your pastor. You can take it to any extent. Where people create all those kinds of things on the inside, people start believing that, and, uh, you know, they don't take responsibility for their lives and learn the wisdom of God 
on, on, and make right choices and make right decisions in order for them, all right, to make solid progress in life. So once you start thinking that forces that you have no control over, which means that they tell you that it's based on something your great-grandfather did in a village you have never been to, and they have done it somewhere, and I mean, how do you control that? All right, now we have to ask ourselves and answer an honest question. That if you believe that the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all settled those issues, it's either Jesus' sacrifice didn't cover it or Jesus' sacrifice covered it. You cannot halt between two opinions. God said, if you are hot, be hot. If you are cold, be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't halt between two opinions. That the blood of Jesus, when he died on the cross, was he wounded for your transgression? Was he bruised for your iniquity? Did he reverse in totality the effect of the fall of man? Did he deal with that? Was the cross placed on Jesus on the cross of Calvary? If the answer is yes, then it's yes, and that is settled. You cannot say and preach to the sinner that the sacrifice of Jesus is 100% complete. Then he gets saved, and you say, but there are some things that are deeper than that. Are you following what I'm saying? All right, that person has been forward nine. In other words, if you buy a car and they tell you this is the performance level of the car, then after you have bought the car and you take the car home, they now tell you that, well, there are some things we didn't tell you so that you won't buy that car. So let us tell you the real things going on. When you start the car, sometimes it won't work. And the reason is that, you know, there are some forces. I mean, that will tell yourself that you should have told me this, that your sacrifice, all right, of Jesus wasn't complete. Now, the sacrifice of Jesus was complete, all right? So we've got to, there is spiritual warfare, but we've got to know what that warfare is, where that warfare is fought, and how the enemy really operates. And we've got to understand that that warfare really lies within the mind. In other words, it's in the thought pattern, which means what he's trying to do is even to circumvent the work of Jesus by planting ideas that it's not totally, it doesn't eradicate everything completely, all right, that there's other things you still have to do to deal with these things. It's, it's in a world of ideas. That's why it tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, essentially bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing us to a place where in our mental life we are completely disciplined. That is every thought that, that we, 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 we hold on to within our hearts. There are thoughts that are consistent with what Jesus is saying. There are thoughts of obedience and not thoughts that are of disobedience. Uh, that is, that's where the real warfare is. Uh, the warfare there that brings a person to the point where he can obey Jesus. He can forgive people that he needs to forgive. He can help and all of that, pray for people that despitefully use and all of that and understand uh, what that the warfare is all about and stop seeing demons where demons do not exist. Because once you have that kind of belief system, then you start seeing things, right? person gets home and he looks at the gate and maybe somebody came to charge their phone and mistakenly forgot it on top of the fence. Ah, he says, look at what has happened. How did this charger get to the top of my fence? I told you that something is working and the charger is black. Can you see what we're saying here? All right? And then, and these are things, maybe they watch the movies that are just playing inside their, in their minds again. And then they go out and, you know, you know, they come out of their house, the fire behind, first tire, um, in the first car, the right tire, right hand side is flat. They look behind the second car, the right tire is flat. Third car, the, ah, we will tell you, 
Huh? Where do you see that there are three flats? And they forget that. They all drove the same way and came on the same nail. That was the simple problem. But you spiritualize those things. All right? And start seeing. I mean, can you imagine a person already going to work? Thinking that a demon bust the tires, you're, you're already at a point. You that means you already feel that a spirit is doing something. So in your consciousness, as you sit down, you know, you, even if you have a job interview, you would think something will go wrong. Right? Because of that all right, kind of mindset that has evolved with people here. So, once you start thinking that there are forces you have no control over, uh, that have determined the outcome already, which means... Before the game begins, these forces are already, they are so powerful that they have determined the outcome before the game begins. Then you have a massive uphill task. Okay? I mean, just like you saying you want to go and apply for a job, and then somebody shows you a video, an actual video of the board meeting, and they have already decided this is the person that they are giving, but they say that we just want to open it up for sake of, you know, transparency, but this is the person that we are giving. All right? Now, if you go into, I mean, if you go for an interview that way, you already go with a sense of defeat because you've already seen something that says it's stacked up against you. Uh, so it's important that we understand this, that there is warfare there, but we must know where the warfare is and what the warfare is and who the enemy really is in order to fight effectively. Now, I want to read out Mark chapter 4 here and verse 24, and I'll be attacking some of these mindsets, all right, gone. I mean, in other messages. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Now, this hear what Jesus said here. And then he said unto them, take heed what you hear. Uh, so Jesus warned them about what they listened to. Take heed what you hear. Right? What you are listening to. What you open up yourself to. Take heed unto it. For with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that here shall more be given. Then he went on in verse 25, talking about what you hear. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And him that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. So he says, to him that has, which means a man has been listening, or a person has been listening. And what he has been listening to has brought him to the knowledge of the fact that he has. He, he now has that confidence there that I have. All right? He has that. But another person has been listening to, and what he says, he has come to the point where he thinks that he has not. Uh, the Bible says, from that man shall be taken even what he had, which means the man had, but he just thought he had not. And the reason why he thought or she thought she had not was because of what they had been listening to. And then he goes on in verse 26, and he says, for the kingdom of God, verse 26, so is the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, what is he referring to here? If we go to verse 30, Mark 4.30, I will show you something here. Mark 4.30, it says, and he said, One unto shall we liken the kingdom of God, and with what comparison shall we compare it? He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that are in the earth. 
But it says, but when it's sown, it groweth up and becometh greater. So in Mark 4 there, uh, 24, he had talked about, to him that has shall more be given. And, in, and then he says, but to him that has not, even that with the air shall be taken away. Then he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man will cast seed. Now that seed is smaller than all the seeds that are in the earth. It seems insignificant. That's why that person said, even though it was the seed of the kingdom, even though it was those, it was the instrument of power that God was going to use to manifest himself in the life of that person. He held on to that thing and he, say, and he said, I have not. Looked around and said, I have not. Now, somebody else had that kind of thing. It was the size of a grain of mustard seed. Looking around, it was smaller than all the other seeds there. But he, because of what he had been listening to and what he had been exposed to, he understood that every person that has a massive tree and that kingdom tree that is greater than all other trees that that person started with this very thing and the mistake that some made was that they looked at it and had that inferiority complex and felt that we belong to the have-nots and look at themselves now in society and in their dealings even in church that you know we do not have all right, but then there are some people that are the advantageous position that they have, that these are the haves and we are the ones that have not, who are struggling, all right, if somebody can give us something so we can have and are struggling and because of what they had listened to, they didn't come to realize that they also have and that the person who has the massive tree now started with that very small Thing that others look at and I'm going to show this in scripture and put it aside but they will not put it aside they looked at it and said this is it and then they invested it into the earth and it began to spring and grow they knew not how they took it and planted it into the earth and, and got them involved in their dealings in the earth by putting that thing in and it developed and became the most powerful and influential thing, but it started out as something that appeared insignificant. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Michael Jordan that is considered the best, best basketballer that ever did the game in his high school was dropped.
he didn't make the team for lack of skill. When it was time to do the draft, he wasn't first draft, he wasn't second pick, he wasn't third pick, he was, I think Akim Olajuwon was even picked before Michael Jordan was picked, right? So these are things they develop. It's so that people, once you set your heart, I didn't tell you this, I, on, uh, if it's earthly matter, now if it's heavenly matter, then God's calling is there. Earthly matter, if a person decides they go into business and they tell themselves and make up their minds, that we are going to build a business that will be worth $2 billion in 10 years, they will get there if they are ready to exercise themselves to do it. They will get there. You see, the thinking that we may not get there is this self-defeating belief system that already tells you that there are some other things that might work. I mean, I was watching a documentary on, 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 on track and field in, in Jamaica. How come Jamaicans are running so fast? There's no mystery to it. When they go to Jamaica, they, when there's poverty, they said the only way out of poverty is through athletics. So every mother tells a child from the age of three, start running. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? And everybody begins to run. They, they say, what well, they say, that is what they say. They said, look, some people said the strongest slaves were dropped in Jamaica. That what is all that. Okay, the place they brought the slaves from. Are they, are they winning the other meters? You know, we just start doing fables. All right? The mothers, the, the mothers followed the child to the, it's, it's a matter of life and death. And everybody's running, 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 running. Because they say, in fact, they asked one young girl, I said, I'm, I've just decided, I said, you've not even won your first race. I'm going to buy my mother a house. She can't be taking all of this. She was already in tears. I said, well, you have not won. Don't, don't, don't cross for me here. All right? But that's, that's the way they saw it. So they went for it. And once people, I mean, people can say, look, and that's why you have to be careful because as a human being, you can adjust to things. If they take you now, if take a person who lives in a big nation, very advanced, bring him to somewhere, village. He says, I can't survive. He can't survive. Don't they throw people in prison under solitary confinement? If they come and meet you now and they say, we'll lock you in a room for two years, you say, I will, I will die. You won't die. The brain will adjust to the darkness. Are you following what I'm saying? Everything will begin to adjust. So if, if you can adjust to a failure, you can also adjust to success. Are you following what I'm saying? If you can adjust to confinement, you can adjust to freedom. That's all I'm saying. Look, you are more powerful than you think you are. If, but if you already think that you are defeated before you start the race, then once you start running and you come into contact with what everybody comes into contact with, you will think there's some spirits at work. So do you get the devil is not as strong as we're making him? So I want to go to something. We need to get that thought system into people that, look, you can, all right, get there. That if people will, will, will focus, will say, look, this is where we are going to give themselves, all right, over to that particular thing, learn and learn and grow and grow and understand that, look, we will get there. I mean, I was reading, who was it that said it? It was some of them said, what was it that was saying? He said, look, it has been proven scientifically that if any human being can successfully hold on to a thought for five years, they will get it done. The question is they hold on to something. When it doesn't work after three weeks, they drop it and go to something else. You can hold on to it. That this is the dream. And you are there. You will. And when they say they will get it done, means they will find out how to do it. Within those five years, they will decode what they need to do to get it done. Yeah. 
So let me close with Mark chapter 6 from verse 37 to verse 42, amplified version. I want to show something here. Mark 6. Now, all right, let's start from verse 36. Verse 36. Now, the disciples of Jesus, they told Jesus, send the crowds away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. Now, let's put verse 35. All right? The time was fast spent, verse 35. It says, and when the day was already far gone, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate and isolated place. And the hour is now late. Verse 36. Send the crowds away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves, that's what they told Jesus, something to eat. Now verse 37. But he replied to them, and Jesus said to his disciples, give them something to eat yourselves. Now, there's a massive word he said there. Jesus didn't say bring them to me to feed them. He said, give them something to eat yourselves. Now, the reason I'm saying this is, and you have to change, and I mean, Jesus was empowering his people to understand they could do it. You know, one day someone called me, and I think I've held this person twice. If I can recollect, at least twice. So this person, and once I, you help, I help you once every second time, you call. Now, third time, I ain't doing it again. Because then, I'm your crush. So I'm now enabling bad financial practices. We helped you, you have 12 months to recalibrate your life. The Bible says there are four wonderful things, one day I'll preach it. It talks about insects that gather things for summer. All right? So you look ahead and gather things. So, well, when he called me, but this time he said, there's somebody in the area that they need money in, they need money to help the person. I've described what the person maybe trying to start a business and all of that. So let's assume the money was 200,000. So he says, you know, you need money. So I called him, can you help this person? So I said to him, you recognize the problem here. So you help the person, not me. So he said, ah, what do you mean, pastor? And he was laughing, you know, Michael laughing. As though, ah, ah, you are joking. How can we help? somebody. He didn't see himself as being able to help. That my help is that I will tell somebody who can help you, but I cannot. Now, in my mind, this is my thought here. I can see enough people to help. I don't need somebody else to see. If you are seeing somebody in your neighborhood, help that person in your neighborhood. Because I'm seeing people in my own neighborhood that are sufficient for me. But it was a spiritual principle and it was true. And I told him, help. Now, he laughed because probably, let's say the problem was, I'm just saying this, was a 200,000 problem. He had 2,000 naira in his pocket. And therefore, he felt that there was nothing he could do to help that person. And that he needed somebody who maybe had 200,000 free that could just give it to this particular person. So, listen to what Jesus said there. Jesus said, you give them something. Now look at what he goes on to say here. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200, all right, 40 dollars worth of bread and give them to eat? And in verse 38, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And when they looked, they knew and said, five loaves and two fish. And verse 39. And then Jesus commanded, which means all they had was five loaves. Somewhere else they said, but what is this among so many? In other words, all we have is 2,000 naira. What is that? Now, I want to show you how great things are done. Because anybody that has, quote-unquote, the 200,000 you think they have to give, they have it because they started this way. All right? All this thing I'm talking about that we were doing when I was on campus, I remember a year before that, I went to a conference, and I still have the Bible. My, my powerful giving, that's life for sacrificial giving, that I wrote on the Bible. You know when you give something, you write on the Bible. That means you have given, you have given that Bible, remember. You write it beside the scripture that you are standing on. It was 59 that I wrote. Now it's coming for now, but that was dangerous offering. So I'm trying to make you understand. You know, I had a landlord. When I started this ministry, I was the one around. He called me one day. He said, I know you respect people, but don't forget Everybody was once like you. Now, sometimes you don't know that people were in your own space. So you don't know that there are things you do to move up. You, you know, you're just running around and you spend the whole time running around. And you don't, I mean, in that that Elijah told the woman, shut the door behind you. In other words, this is something that you will shut the door and do. And I remember when we started that campus fellowship, we used to go out around, you know, the people that are living before me would take people to this convention. And I told everybody inside the fellowship, nobody's going anywhere again. We are building here. We stopped attending all uh, conventions in Ife, in Benin. We, you are, we stopped everything. We sat down. I said, it is our fellowship. We are building here. And the minute we focused on what was before us, things began to happen. So many times people are not focused on their business. They are everywhere. Right? Which means they are not sitting on their own. They don't think it's anything. So they are not focused on it. So, when said 2,000. Now, let me show you what Jesus did. So Jesus told them to sit down. Right? So they threw themselves. Now, verse 41. The Bible says, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, praising and thanking God. So with the five loaves, praising God, rejoicing, thanking. While somebody else held it and said, what is this? And dropped it. Thanking and rejoicing, broke it and kept on giving them to the disciples to set. In other words, he gave it and then took, they came back and then he gave more and then he came back. So I said, now this is how you do it. 200,000 is the issue. You recognize that this is something that God has placed inside your heart to help this person. Now you don't need to call anybody. You say to that person that I'm going to get you out of this financial situation. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, it's going to be done. Instead of telling them, you take the 2,000 you have to give, you give it to that person. And commit, all right, to helping him out. That's what Elijah told that woman. A jar of oil, go and look for empty vessels. Look for empty vessels. Once you start pouring, the supernatural is going to come into it. The minute you start, that's what people don't understand. Start building now. He said, don't forget, we never had the money when we started. In other words, once it is ascertained in your heart 
This is what you are supposed to do. Go there and start. If God has shown you that, listen, you are to build a house for your family and for your children. You are waiting to have 100 million and then you have the design and you are looking at the, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah? They say change this because 20 million are just coming. That's not how you do it. You go there and declare. In 18 months, we are opening this place. With the 150,000 that can only buy certain amount of cement and blocks, carry the block there, dig it, drop it, we'll finish you in it. Call the broker. What can 150,000 do? He says all he can do is dig ground, dig ground. Do you get what we're saying here? You say, well, it will rain. What can we do to stop the rain from making it? We can use wood to cover. Cover with cellophane. Knock it there. Are we good? We are good. Let's go. After some time, one, three hundred thousand will come. Faithfully put it there. It will become one million that will come. Faithfully put it there. It will become three million. Are you following what I'm saying? But if you are looking for somebody to come and give you one hundred million, you will wait forever. That's the way it's done. So Jesus told them, he said, tell the people to sit down, which means put them in the portion, and then start. I mean, Bill Winston said when he was in Robert University, first time I ever saw Archbishop in Aosha, he was studying Ken Copeland, they started for Copeland. He said the Archbishop came and they wanted to build something in you and people gave. He said, all right, people have given. He said, but I want you to, sh- I want you to understand an apostolic anointing. He said, how many of you don't have anything? what you really want to give to this thing. He said, it's you I came for. Get up. Now you have nothing. So it's not like you are taking what you have. He came. He said, all right. How much do you want to give it? They all said $1,000. He said, the only thing I tell you is that once $1,000 comes, as it comes to hand, give it. The Winston said, he doesn't know till tomorrow. If you ask me how we financed all those things we did on campus, how the money came, the vice president of my fellowship 10 days to this convention looked at the account and told me he's traveling. He came back the evening. Praise and worship had started. When he came through Arts Theater, you know, you can walk, just walk. I said, he looked and said, what? Because he didn't know where the money was coming from. But once you have identified, that's why for next year, let me tell you what you should do. This program, go to God in prayer. That God, Open my eyes. Show me what you will, the assignment you have for me. Now, don't, mistakes we're making that we are praying what we want. Leave what you want alone. Ask God, particularly if your life is stagnant. Nothing has happened for years. The reason is there is something God has opened you have not responded to. What you are doing is pushing your own agenda. That's the problem. Now, don't even say, God, speak to me. Don't say that. Because if you say, speak to me, you hear one voice that will tell you what you want. You don't say, arise, arise. You hear it. Your name is Dako, 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 Dako. That's it, Dako. You will hear your name. Tell him, as Paul said, God opened the door. Ask God to open the door. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is going to happen is as you are interacting in life, that door will be opened to you. 
If not, you will see it. Now, let me warn you. The door, right? When you open the door, you enter into pasture. But the door doesn't look good. The door you will open. When you look at the door, you know, the Bible says he sent a raven to come and feed the lamb. A raven is the, one of the dirtiest birds. If they ask you which kind of bird should bring food, it's not a raven. Now, if you can't take it from a raven, you will stay hungry. Do you get what we're saying here? We don't confess Jesus as our Savior for him to become our Lord. We confess him as our Lord for him to save us. Which means, Jesus, I accept your Lordship. Whichever door you open, I will go through it. Now, when you go through that door that doesn't look nice, on the other side, you find green pastures. But the door's appearance doesn't look like what you want. But if you go through it in faith, so ask him, show me. And it is my business that show me the, what you want and understand, God, this is my business. Then commit yourself and tell yourself, with whatever I have. I mean, let me tell you someone says, well, you know, I haven't had a job. You know, I haven't had a job for years. My friends, let me tell you what the problem is. You are asking God for your own type of job. Chief, the people that are given those jobs don't think you are qualified for that job. There is no spirit problem there. You think you are qualified. They don't think you are qualified. All right? We can think erroneously about ourselves. Now, you ask God, open up a door for a job. That when I enter into this job, I will put value into the lives of these people. Tell you to open door. Any job you open, any door, I will enter. It won't be long. When you'll be sitting somewhere in a conversation, somebody will just say something. I even wonder, they're looking for somebody in this particular place that you didn't even know is in existence. Now, the door may not be nice because you think you're a million naira per month guy. And these people can only pay 200,000 per month. But if it is a door that God opens, you will you remember what I'm preaching now. You will see my face. <laughs> Listen to me. They will say 200,000 and I will just appear saying, you, you will just, now if you don't see me, just take it. Not, you just, this phrase just come that this is what he will say. And you will see me doing like this. <laughs> That's the confirmation. You won't want to have it, but as you lie down, you just hear pastor's voice. This is what he will say. This is what he will say. Because you don't preach to people except something like that is about to happen. Now, if it doesn't look inviting, walk through it. If you are single, you'll be shocked. That's when you find the man that will marry you. I'm not saying a staff bell. <laughs> so you don't break company law. Alright? But then things begin to happen. All what you've been trying to pray. Are you following what I'm saying here? On the outside. Where you didn't enter that door. You are trying to get. Once you enter that door, without you even asking for it, all those things are added unto you. That's what Jesus was saying when seek ye first the kingdom. 
then you start depositing value into the lives of people there. And then from that place, you open the door, he gave you a teaching job. I said, well, I'm not what teacher. I don't think I'm, I'm supposed, but you're depositing value in the lives of children. The child goes home, tells the parent, oh, this is my wonderful teacher. Let me tell you this. I told them first service. I have a friend. All right, he's a, he's a player in the oil industry, and we have, we have, very, we have very good friends. Very good. Our, our parents, my father and his father were roommates in school. All right, so we are very good friends. So we went out to eat one day. It's all down. So I called the coming on him. While waiting, this was in a restaurant in Bia. Let me not call the name of the restaurant. Right. The guy serving was very polite, well spoken. But the important thing, I said, this chap, I was telling him, this guy is educated, highly educated, and he's doing this kind of job. Look at his attitude. I just told him. The guy pulled out his card, called the guy where we're living, wrote the house. He said, if you need any job outside this thing you are doing, you just want a job. Here's my card. Call me on this line, and I'll get you a job. The guy was... But if the door to be a, a, was not, if he didn't go there, he was at home praying for a dangerous oil job. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, it is this consumer mindset, not service, that is killing us in this generation. Take away this consumer, what are we get? And, and that's one of the things when I went to Singapore that I, I, I learned from, 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 the pastor told me something. Because he said something to me. And changed my orientation. In fact, in fact, I said this, we went with iPads, you know, I made sure I took my iPad so that when I go for service, I'll be compliant. Abby? Nobody was using iPad. This is too big. They have left this one. I kept it in my bag. Don't come and get it. <laughs> I disgrace myself. In front of these young people. I just kept it in my bag. I was looking at the screen. All right. <laughs> but he told me something. He said, he said, you know, you look at life the way you, you see life. It may not be the way other people are seeing life. He said, for example, he was talking about young people. He was talking about participation. He said, if you decide to go and watch a game, Manchester United, all right? Okay, for example, now, today Liverpool is playing Man City. If they give you a ticket to go, you'll be very happy to go and watch. He said, but take 14-year-old child together, 13-year-old boy, and tell your son, you want to do him great service, let's go and watch the game. He follows you to the place and sits down. He said, you are watching and thinking that he's enjoying that. He said, but that's not what he wants. You want to watch. He wants to participate. He's looking at these people and saying, I also should be able to play like this. But you, your own time has passed. So the only joy you can get is by watching. 
I mean, when I was watching this uh, Olympiad, these Jamaicans, I just saw myself trying to run. I, I said, oh boy, your dad is so bad. There's no, all right. But I can imagine being a young person. I'm sure I've gone to buy tracksuits and everything. I started running after I watched the documentary, even though you can run for two weeks and rest is over, no motivation. But said they want to participate. And the truth of the matter is that, that, that you may not know. You actually may fail. Because that door doesn't look inviting. You may think you just want to come to church, sit down, hear, try to gain from God. But the truth about the matter is, if you ask God, look, the covenant of God throughout scripture was let my people go that they may serve me. Even when we get to the New Testament, say, oh, that's what I mean, New Testament. He says, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, all right, can sprinkle, all right, purify the flesh, all right, how much more shall the blood of Jesus purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve the living God? And for this cause is the mediator of the New Testament. So the blood was shed to purge us so that we can serve. If you get into that service, and we're not, nobody's fussing, but just pray and ask God that this 2020, open up the door. You open up the door to me. And when the door opens, you will know all right, that the door has been opened by God. It won't be what you naturally feel you are inclined or want to do. But once you go through that door, you will see the supernatural workings of God's power. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.